Welcome to Would You Rather, a podcast where Cosmos magazine journalists debate a topic and only one comes out the victor. I'm Jacinta Bowler. And I'm Petra Stock. Jacinta, you're getting warmer now. Warmer. You're burning. Okay, now you're really hot. (laughs) Sadly, global warming isn't a game. And Jacinta is in the hot seat, heading towards a warmer planet where we fail to combat climate change. Meanwhile, I am getting cooler, actually extremely cold as I head to ice age conditions. That's right. Today on Would You Rather, we're breaking the ice by debating the relative merits and significant downsides of dialing up or down the Earth's thermostat by a mere few degrees. So Jacinta, climate change is a hot topic. What kind of world are we looking at in, say, 2100? Oh my goodness, the amount of puns you just stuck in that first section is absolutely incredible. I don't know if I can quite come back with the same level, but unfortunately this episode, as many puns as we can stack in there, is probably not going to be as fun as some of our past episodes, but it could be the most likely to happen. In 2100, even with a decent amount of lowering emissions, a global warming trajectory of three or even four degrees is not unlikely. But what would the world look like? I think it would be undeniable to call it a hot mess. We're already seeing some of the effects of climate change, but these would be turned up significantly. A paper published in Nature a few years ago looked at this in depth. They found that in 1981 to 2010, the global average annual chance for having a heat wave was 5%. At 1.5 degrees, that chance goes up to 30%. At 3 degrees, that chance becomes a whopping 80%. Whoa. I know. At three degrees, the amount of time spent in drought triples, while a 50-year river flood is double as likely in any given year. It's just not looking good. But Petra, let's get cooler. Tell me about ice age conditions. All right, Jacinta, I'm going to ask you to stop, take a break, and listen. (laughs) Ice is back with a brand new contention. Petra! (laughs) That's right. I'm talking about ice, ice ages, baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Actually, what I really mean is a glacial period. When I spoke with geologist and professor Michael Pedersen from the Auckland University of Technology, he told me we're actually officially in an ice age right now. Oh, no. Are we? The current one started around 35 million years ago. Under Pedersen's definition, There are three components to what I'm going to unscientifically call an ice age, but what is actually a glacial period. So firstly, temperatures on Earth need to support ice, and that means getting significant parts of the Earth below zero for long periods of time. The second part is the cold conditions basically need to go long enough to develop thick layers of ice. And the third aspect is the presence of extensive thick ice that basically behaves like rock. So things like continental ice sheets, glacial systems, and these periglacial environments. That usually takes millions of years. Wait, does that mean that if there's no ice, it's just not an ice age? I think so. Yeah. I mean, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to the name, I guess. <laughs> so the last glacial maximum, which is 
when it was a lot colder. It was around 21,000 years ago. And on average, that was around three to five degrees Celsius cooler than today. Mm. So anyway, I'm going to sort of imagine a reverse Encino Man scenario where I'm frozen (laughs) and then sent back roughly to that time. You, Jacinta, won't have to time travel quite so far. I mean, if countries don't deliver on limiting temperatures under the Paris Agreement, how are things going to play out? Oof, it's not looking good. According to researchers, in 2021, it was found that even if every country fulfilled their current pledges to reduce emissions, we would still see an increase of around 2.7 degrees Celsius. So three or four degrees is incredibly likely if we don't do some real changes now. This is obviously a little bit terrifying, but concerning yeah exactly but here's the thing the world has been in a hothouse earth state before a conversation article on the topic in 2018 talked about how there's not just one type of hothouse they wrote a little like dante's circles of hell they progress into ever deeper states of heat and changes to the planet's biosphere and climate it really does seem that even if it's too late any time to stop greenhouse gases is a very good thing petra What triggers an ice age? Well, I'm very keen to avoid Dante's circles of hell. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Pedersen says astronomical factors play a big role in ice ages. So he says the sun itself can get hotter and cooler, but in general on Earth we're pretty lucky. It's a pretty stable star. He says there can also be changes in the Earth's orbit. Sometimes it's closer to the sun, other times it's further away. And also the earth changes how it spins on its axis. Mm. So that can make the earth hotter or cooler. Yeah. He said also continents and continental drift contributes. So when there's land in the polar regions, it's easier for ice sheets to grow and grow thicker. Wait, can I, I'm going to jump in at a bit that you saying before about the, the earth being in a different type of sun. Okay, I'm just going to add. That's one of the things that climate deniers use, right, that we're getting further away, that we're getting closer to the sun and that's why the earth's getting hotter. That's obviously not true, is it? Well, that's not the only factor. So continents and continental drift contributes. Mm -hmm. So when there's land in the polar regions, it's easier for ice sheets to grow thicker Mm -hmm. and plate tectonics can influence ocean currents. And Also, and this links to your scenario, in an ice age, there are less greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, keeping that warm blanket over the earth. That makes sense. Ice ages usually occur on long-term natural cycles called Milankovitch cycles, but paleoclimatologist Professor Timothy Nash from Victoria University in Wellington told me something that shocked me to my ice core, and that is probably going to tip the outcome of this debate in your favour. Oh, no. (laughs) Apparently, humans have pumped so much CO2 into the atmosphere that if levels stay where they are currently, the Earth actually can't go into a natural ice age anymore unless we keep CO2 below 350 parts per million. No. And we're at 400 million now, aren't we? We're at 400 parts per million so humans contributions to climate change have actually overridden that astronomical cycle that's awful 
Anyway, more real talk from Professor Nash. He says that in the last ice age, sea levels were 120 metres lower than they are today. That means the landmass we know as Australia was at least 20% larger and we were connected to New Guinea and Tasmania by land. Yeah. In happy news for New Zealand, the ditch between us is deep enough to avoid any sort of land bridge between the two <laughs> countries. And we're relatively lucky here in Australia, but something like four kilometres of ice was blanketing much of Europe, America and, and northern Russia. So if we were to go into an ice age, there is probably going to be a fair bit of human and animal migration. Mm. Nature's in Australia we would likely be a bit protected by the size of our continent, but it would still have like arid, cold and dry conditions. And both of my Ice Age experts suggested it would be smart to move towards the equator and away from the poles. I'm guessing sea levels are going to be a bit different on a warmer planet. Yeah, I mean, Ice Age sounds kind of nice. You'd have more landmass to be able to deal with, although I guess a lot of it would be under ice. But, um, yeah, it's not looking good. So speaking of hothouse Earths earlier, in an interglacial phase, so that's a warmer period like you were talking about, between two ice ages about 125,000 years ago, the Greenland and West Antarctic ice sheets melted. They just melted. And sea levels rose about six metres above today. In that particular hothouse Earth scenario, small groups of humans just migrated with the changing coastline. I don't think we'd have much luck doing that with Sydney or Adelaide today. And even if our coastlines aren't gone, they would need to be so heavily fortified, it would be incredibly expensive to maintain. By 2100, at three degrees, sea levels are expected to rise about 60 centimetres. Obviously, that's not six metres like we're talking about, but this is still going to be catastrophic for island nations, but also for anyone who just lives on the coast. The six metres, that's going to happen over generations. We're talking hundreds, we're talking thousands or hundreds of thousands of years. But once it starts, it's very hard to stop. There's also going to be some real animal winners and losers in a three degree world. Okay, there's mostly losers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, the ocean will be hotter and more acidic, which is likely to cause fish declines and coral reef extinctions. A study in 2015 found that if climate change proceeded as expected, one in six species could become extinct. South America, Australia and New Zealand are likely to have the worst casualties. Oh, no. I know. Most insects aren't going to enjoy a warmer world either. But the cockroach is likely to soldier on into new, cooler territories. I'm not sure if that makes me feel better or worse. <laughs> so, Petra, what animals are going to be around in the Ice Age? Are we talking Sid, Scrat, Manny? <laughs> so in the Northern Hemisphere and back in time, of course, there was mammoths, saber-toothed tigers. A lot of the animals were pretty big and pretty hairy. Yeah. You know, it's a way of staying warm. If we look at the animals that tend to survive in these environments today, they usually grow like a thick layer of fat mm -hmm. and a lot of organisms go into kind of periods of hibernation during ultra-cold periods. 
humans are pretty adaptable and we're particularly good at things like making shelters and finding technologies to help us in a range of climates. Yeah, I'm really here for the fact that my extra bit of belly is going to help me in an ice age. (laughs) (laughs) So in the past, you know, we would have had animal skins for warmth and used caves and ice shelters and so on. Obviously, today we've got various ways of adapting our clothing. We've got smart fabrics that can kind of keep you warm, better shelters and energy systems. Unfortunately, we're going to be spending a lot of time indoors because, Mm. baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) Although there might be the possibility of more snow sports and I'm assuming the Winter Olympics would probably be a bigger deal. (laughs) You know, that's something that both of us have in common. We would also be spending a lot more time indoors in a three or four degree warmer. Is that right? Yeah. So something you might not enjoy Jacinta in an ice age is that the other thing is humans would have to be eating a lot more meat, less vegetables. (laughs) But then when it's hot, I kind of don't feel like eating anything at all. How will humans survive in the heat? Yeah. So again, this is just going to be a worse version of what's currently happening. It's pretty easy to see that we're currently in a climate apocalypse and we look at it this way. Heat waves, droughts, fires or floods will decimate crops more and more as the planet warms and food will just be less reliable and more expensive. Currently, over 345 million people suffer from food insecurity and this is only going to get more dire as the world heats up. But if worrying about how millions of low-income people will afford food isn't for you, there's also problems with coffee, chocolate and wine. As the planet heats up, places that were traditionally great for growing things like this are becoming too hot. And that means these industries have to move to colder climates or just become more expensive. So if you want to save the planet, you will still have wine. (laughs) I don't think I could live without coffee. Yeah, it's it's important. Jacinta, what surprised you most about the world we'll face if we don't fix global warming? Honestly, a lot of this stuff was things that cynical Jacinta was kind of aware of, but I think it is helpful to understand what something like a one in a hundred year flood actually means. So it doesn't mean that the event will occur every hundred years. It's the number of times a flood will happen on average in a hundred years. A better way to think about it is there's a 1% chance of it occurring in any given year. But climate change is making one in a hundred year floods occur significantly more. So if this particular year hasn't proven it to you, don't expect that we're safe after the floodwaters recede. What about you, Petra? Well, one of the things Pedersen mentioned, which I hadn't thought of, he's lived in a lot of icy environments and he said the colour palette in those environments is often totally different. Wow. So icy landscapes tend to be more muted, more subtle, more blues and greys, obviously, less vibrancy. So he says he would miss the vivid greens and I think I would too. Okay. That's so sad. Yeah. So 
It seems like in this debate, the scientific odds and human-caused climate change is really stacked against me and my Ice Age scenario. Sorry. (laughs) Even waiting another 20 to 30,000 years, the Earth might not even see another Ice Age Unless, of course, the Ice Age franchise releases an eighth movie. (laughs) They should do that. That's a good idea. (laughs) Which is crazy. Seems like we're headed for a hot house earth. Yeah, it's not looking good. But you know what? I think I'd kind of be on board with an Ice Age rather than a human-caused hot house earth. At least I'd know it wasn't my fault. But you're right. The likelihood of us getting an Ice Age is seemingly slimmer by the day. I'll take this as an incredibly lukewarm win. Thanks for listening to Would You Rather. We hope you enjoyed it. Please let us know which of the two of us you would pick by voting on our website, cosmosmagazine.com. The newsroom will be back next week with a different scientific bind to decide. This podcast is produced by the Royal Institution of Australia in Adelaide on Ghana land. The Royal Institution of Australia is a non-for-profit whose mission is to communicate science widely as the key to a better world. We do this through our daily news stories, which are turned into educational resources, teaching the scientists of tomorrow about the science of today in classrooms across Australia. Support us by subscribing to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's last print science magazine. 